This is Review and Preview on the Wave, the sound of LIU. It's Friday. Welcome to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Kyle Russo, running our engineering board tonight. Yes, that is correct. It is Friday, March 22nd. Review and preview. I am back as the host, and it has been a crazy week of sports. We're going to get to March Madness in just a little bit. We're going to spend majority of the show on the NCAA tournament, give our breakdown of the bracket. But before we get there, uh, we're going to talk some Giants-Jets free agency quickly and then review and preview some of the NBA games from the past week and start to look at this playoff picture. Reminder, you can call in with your questions, thoughts, comments, 516-299-2030. Take part in our live show. And also, we are broadcasting on the wave, the sound of LIU. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Review and Preview. All right, Kyle. So, our New York football giants, it's been a roller coaster month, last two weeks in particular, um, I should say. So let's uh, recap some of the uh, key losses to this Giants team. Um, and, you know, it's it's very unfortunate, but Landon Collins is now a Washington Redskin. And let's talk about this guy for a hot second. I think this was the biggest loss to the team, especially on the defensive side of the ball as a captain and how well He's played in his first couple of seasons in, in the NFL. Yeah, there's a couple of flaws to his game, but uh, it would have cost them $11 million this year just to tag him. And this move, to me, I don't know. It didn't really make sense. No, it didn't make sense, Tom. And the absolute worst nightmare if you're a Giants fan is now you have to face up against this guy for the next six years because of what was allowed to transcribe. Because, Tom, just like you said, you know, the guy got injured, so I get it. You could be wary of giving him the big major contract, but that's what the gift of franchise tag is, and they could have franchised him for a year. Saw how he played, especially after the comments in which they made the Giants organization in regards to his past coverage. Maybe he would have improved in a season where it really uh, depended on his contract coming back after injury. Sad to see him go. It really is. Now, another move. Um, one of the best run stuffers in the NFC last year, Josh Morrow, departs to the Oakland Raiders. This guy was just signed on a one-year deal. Uh, not really a huge loss, definitely a replaceable player, but I think the Giants should have kept him. Uh, I know you really don't have many opinions on this guy, but uh, I thought he was good when he was in the lineup. Yeah, I thought he was decent. I mean, you know, he's a good player. Oakland's getting a decent player. And another guy, Tom, I'm looking at this list, as we're going over it, another guy that actually just signed today also, well, we were just talking about Oakland, but also signed with Cincinnati later on the list is Kerry Wynn. He signed a one-year deal as well with Cincinnati, which yeah. is very, very depressing because he kept on signing one-year deals with the Giants to come back. I thought it was going to happen again, but I got it. He, he has to move on. I really would have loved to see Kerry Wynn back. But yeah. back to Josh Morrow. Yeah, an, an, another guy. He had a good season. He played well for us, but uh, just like you said, Tom, a replaceable player. A lot of people thought when Morrow departed, that win would for sure get re-signed, but it didn't happen. Yep. So the Giants 
clearly in rebuild mode on that defensive line because you have three young starters now in DT, Hill, and potentially the rookie from last year, big old R.J. McIntosh. Yep. Uh, three young faces. Another player on that defensive line that was let go, Giants losing a lot of depth here, I must admit. Morrow win and also Mario Edwards. This was a guy who was picked up uh, after the waiver wires at the end of the preseason. He was the Giants' top claim. And this is a guy that, uh, you know, you didn't really hear much about this season, which, I mean, that could be perceived as a good thing or a bad thing. He did his job up the middle, but really wasn't a high-profile player either. B.W. Webb will join Kerry Wynn with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Thank goodness, man. B.W. Webb, I mean, his pass coverage was flatter than a pancake. No, he was was horrible. I'm so happy to see him go. Another guy, Tom, not on this list, but Curtis Riley, one of the worst pass coverage guys in the entire NFL, signed with the Oakland Raiders earlier today. Good. So, good thing he's gone. But, you know, I look at this list, and... All these guys, the Giants are deciding to let go on defense. What is what is this Giants defense going to be, Tom, next season? I mean, these are all the these are the starters. I'm not that concerned because that's what we're going to attack in the draft, in my opinion. Yeah, we got this tw- is what the we're Giants going got twelve picks. Yeah, to attack in the draft. Yeah, uh, and then you know we also got Bethay and Peppers, and it seems like the Giants also uh, are looking to improve their pet their pass rush with the addition of Marcus Golden. Uh, and hopefully a couple of rookies in the draft. Now, a couple of other defensive players. Connor Barwin left after a one-year deal. Didn't do much. I think he had, like, a sack, maybe 15 tackles. Uh, yeah, he didn't start that much because Lorenzo Carter came in and played flat-out great. Carter was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, if they want to re-sign Barwin back, I mean, I, I wouldn't be against it. No, neither would on, I. On a, on a one-year signing because Barwin's, what, 32 now? Something like that. He's still a veteran player. If the Giants are looking to make the playoffs this year, I mean, he might be a good guy to have in the locker room. Yeah, definitely. Uh, not a guy with a lot of playoff experience with the exception of his ride with the Eagles. But, um, yeah, there's him. And then the Olivier Vernon trade. Uh, he gets dealt, dealt to the Cleveland Browns in exchange for Kevin Zeitler. I think this was an excellent move. Russo, I've been saying for the past two weeks, thank goodness he's gone because that contract was albatross. It was bad. That contract, thank goodness they got rid of that contract, but this is where the confusion in my mind comes into play, not just as a Giants fan, but as a fan of football in general. You would think getting rid of that much cap space before free agency takes place would mean, or at least indicate to me, because it opens up $8 million in cap, you would think that they would, the Giants would choose to spend that money. But as we've seen, because now it's been about two weeks, a week and a half since free agency has begun, they have not spent basically any of that money. Well, I think they're looking to set up for the draft. And apparently, you know, there's a couple of confusing things because, you know, you Obviously, Vern is gone. You turn your attention to the offensive side of the ball, and the Giants didn't sign Mike Remmers, who they interviewed. And I think this is a guy they should have easily signed. He would have completed the offensive line for next year, and I think you would have got him for very cheap, uh, very cheap, similar to what the Giants missed out with Darrell Williams. 
That so, was ridiculous. I I could not believe that the Giants did not want to give him one mil, one year, six million dollars. We couldn't. The Giants couldn't give Darrell Williams that. And the Giants also, there was reports they were interested in Josh Klein, who just signed with the Vikings. A three-year, fifteen million dollar deal. Yeah. Yeah. So again, cheap. It's not. It's not a good quality. It's. I understand the building through the draft, but. If you're going to do that much to the O-line, you might as well complete it. Apparently, they must have not liked the Remmers interview or something with uh, fi- the financials because he came and he interviewed in New York, and he's still out there. I mean, I understand Big Dave, our GM, has a plethora of picks but um, in his back pocket, but the Giants still need to fill some needs. And I think there's six huge needs on this team. The biggest need on this team is the right tackle position. Because you got to have a guy that can protect, and it's a very underrated position. Second biggest need for me is outside linebacker because of the 3-4 pass rush. You need a pass rusher. I mean, yeah, we got Marcus Golden, but... That's not going to do much. I'm saying the Giants at number 6, watch out for Brian Burns from FSU. He's been climbing some draft boards uh, the last couple of weeks. He's been fantastic, and apparently his football IQ is tremendous. Yeah. Third biggest need, I think, is cornerback because you look at the Giants right now and you have Jenkins, you have Sam Beal, you have Grant Haley, but there's really nobody else there. And I don't think you can trust any three of those guys right now. Beal is unproven. He's yet to play a snap of NFL football. Janoris Jenkins had his worst season yet of his career so far. And... Grant Haley is an undrafted rookie out of Penn State who's basically known for being Saquon Barkley's college roommate. Yeah. I can't believe you haven't mentioned this one position yet. Well, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll get there in just a moment. The fourth biggest need is defensive end. Why? Over another position that Russo is still thinking? Because you want to have depth, and you look at the guys we let go, Morrow, Wynn, and Edwards, you just lost your depth. So there's definitely a need there as well. There's two more needs on this team. The fifth need is the quarterback. The quarterback position is a need for the Giants. There's been talks about Josh Rosen, and if Josh Rosen comes to the New York Giants, I don't want him. I hope he packs his bags and ships himself back to UCLA. I mean, this is this would just that would be this awful. This would be terrible. It would be so bad. It would be so bad. And there's talks about the Giants giving up a third round pick for him. It's a waste of a third round pick. It's a waste of a third-round pick. I think you would rather have our 38-year-old start over him. I would, because I you already saw it when it came to draft day. I, I don't like the fact that he's as cocky as he is, especially with all of his history, knowing what he was known for at UCLA, being the cocky guy that he is, knowing that he's injury-prone. I, I just I wouldn't want to, especially in a New York market, I don't, I don't want that. At that position, I don't want that. Yeah. I mean, you list off your last position, but I cannot believe you haven't listed this position yet. Wide receiver? No. Safety. Oh, come on. Tom, we don't have a safety on this roster. Landon Collins is gone, and apparently he wasn't good enough at his job. Well, I think Sean Chandler is going to start next year at this rate. But one safety? Jabril Peppers, Antoine Bethay. It's not bad. It's an... Bethay is a 35-year-old Bethay is an upgrade over Curtis Riley on any day. 
anything is an upgrade Peppers over Curtis Riley. will be better at pass covering than Landon Collins. You're going to miss Collins because he was a box safety, and he was a fantastic player, the best safety this team had in like the past 20 years. Yeah. Um, but realistically, you cannot really, I mean, say that safety is a top six need. I think it is because of the fact that maybe Bethea it's an is an older player. Bethea is an older player. Is he going to be able to play every down as a 35 year old player? I right. don't believe so. I understand that. Chandler is a guy that you- we signed as an undrafted player. Which I don't is he ready to take over the number one spot? Because I don't think Jabril Peppers is, yeah. especially in this defense. Because you look at Chandler has one year in Betcher's defense. Jabril has none, and Jabril in two years is still unproven and really, really raw right. as a I mean, player he, to me. He's on he's unproven, but I think he's. A, I a think good, he's still a very talent. raw player that doesn't really have a position yet, which yeah. makes him uh, admirable. But. I think safety's probably I may maybe not the number one, but number two, number three easily on that list. I mean, I I look at what Gettleman did and he let Collins walk. That's why the safety wasn't a top six need for me. You know what I'm saying? Because apparently it wasn't a big need to the Giants that they went out and they got Peppers and they signed Bethay. So that's why it's not a top six need for me. Then you also have um Chandler is a backup at this time. I mean, I mean, yeah, if they draft one, I won't be mad. But anyway, um, free agent misses for the Giants. They've been swinging and missing all free agency. They lost out on Darrell Williams, as you said. Mike Remmers is still out there, but I don't know if they're going to sign him. I'd love to have him. Yeah. I, I would welcome him in a heartbeat. Absolutely. At right tackle. Yes. Right now, it still seems like Chad Wheeler is the guy. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Sandejo, who that you was and a big I one. both wanted. That was a big one. He went and signed with the Eagles. That's going to hurt. Uh, what, is it? what was it, a one-year deal? One-year, $4 million. Uh, Great complimentary safety to Harrison Smith up in Minnesota. Young guy as well. Teran Matthew was one of the biggest misses for the Giants. Uh, I don't think so. He's, really? This is, this is Freakish why he, athlete. But this is why he said he signed with Kansas City. It wasn't about the money. It was about winning. And there was, if that's the case scenario, there was no shot he was ever even thinking. Well, I'm the saying Giants. not from his standpoint, from the Giants. Oh standpoint. yeah. Well, listen. I mean, we, you've seen, we, you just talked about it. Dave Gettleman obviously isn't willing to spend the money, even the cheapest of contracts. He's not willing to spend. If you look at these guys, most of these guys that we brought back, they're under a million dollar contracts. Yeah. I still don't think Gettleman solved the problem with the offensive line. I don't think Hernandez, Solder, and Zeitler are good enough. You still have a problem at center, and you still have a problem at right tackle. Uh, And I I think the biggest problem is the right tackle position over the center position because it's been proven that Pulley or Jalapia, whoever it is, I think they can do a respectable job. I mean, it's not the ideal person. I think they should have went out and signed Matt Paradis. Yeah. Former Denver Bronco. I thought he would have been good. Yeah. Pierre Desir as well, the cornerback position. That would have been nice. That would have been nice from the Colts. Um, I don't think the right tackle is that big. And the reason why is because it's not Eli Manning's blind spot. And especially because you just traded for the best pass blocker in all of football at the guard position. I think that should kind of compliment Chad Wheeler at the right tackle position. Right. I mean, fair enough. But yeah. I mean, it's something to speculate about. Yeah, it's about definitely for sure. something. Yeah. Especially when you have a surplus of right tackles that you missed out on. And are still left on the market. So we talked about the two players the Giants traded for. Yeah. Our four free agent signings. Yep. Two, three players used to play for James Betcher. All three of these signings make sense. 
Antoine Bethay, maybe not from a logistical standpoint, but it makes sense, theoretically speaking, that Betcher wanted to bring these guys in, and I'm sure he had a say. Bethay, Pierre Olsen, or Olsen-Pierre, excuse me. Yeah. Um, defensive tackle, young player, probably can be depth. Maybe. Behind that line. Uh, there's not really a lot I mean, of I, I think it's an upgrade over John Jenkins as to what we had last year as yeah. a backup nose tackle. Yeah. Uh, and then Marcus Golden, who's a young, underrated pass rusher who hopefully can make some noise. Hopefully. Really uh, need him to. And then, of course, Golden Tate. This one, I mean, this just— It makes sense to me. It makes, it makes sense to me if, obviously, the elf in the room— if Odell Beckham Jr. is still on the team. It makes no sense to give a slot receiver this type of money because, I mean, and basically, and the rumors came out about it. What does this mean for Sterling Shepard in his future in a Giants uniform? I mean, I know you can run an offense, two slot receivers, but then at that point, what was the purpose for giving Tate the magnitude of the contract and the length of the contract at the age in which he is? Especially when Sterling Shepard is a slot receiver who will be asking for, without a doubt, over $10 million per season when he's a free agent. Because he deserves it, rightfully so. It makes no sense to me why we get the Giants get five years older at the position. No, even, even more than that. Sterling Shepard's like 23, 24 years old. He's almost 10 years younger than Golden Tate. Uh, I'm going to say no something sense. about Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard played 517 snaps in the slot last season, but he also played 393 on the outside. He's proven that he could play split wide. He can do that. Um, and he's one heck of a blocker yeah. as well. So I think, yeah, you want to have him for that purpose. But, I mean, realistically, Tate is going to be a good – he's going to be a better mentor to Shepard than Odell was. It has nothing to do with mentor. It has to do with play. I it, mean, Tate it is... It kind of does, because, I mean, Tate, you see, he's a baller. He is a baller. He's a playmaker. He makes plays, and Shepard can do the same. And I think that's what makes both of them unique as players. Um, you know. But Also, even in... remember, when Tate, the first couple of years he was with Detroit, and then when he was with Seattle... No, he was, was the in... opposite. See, he was with Seattle, then no, no, with Detroit. No, no, I know. I... I know that I'm saying oh. his first two to three years with Detroit, yeah, and with Seattle, he played on the outside. Yeah, he didn't play in the slot. So I mean, that's just something to think of there. I don't think this slot thing is as concerning. But you also got to remember in that offense, you also had Marvin Jones and now a complimentary up and coming star, Kenny Galladay. And so I think that's in what this it, offense. In in this offense, you have Sterling Shepard. You have Sterling Shepard. You have Evan Ingram. That's the tight end. We're talking about the receiver. Yeah, and he, he could also play in the slot. He's proven he could be split out as a receiver. And you have Corey Coleman. You're bringing back Cody Latimer. This is a good receiving core. I think this will be a better receiving core than what we had last year. I really do think so. No, I'm being serious. I, I, I laugh as I say that, but because you started laughing, because I think the Giants will be better off without Odell. Um as a receiver group and from a team standpoint the the move just makes sense um i don't want to go too far into it but cuz i know you guys were talking about it last week 
Yeah. Um, let's see what happens, the, the post-Odell era. Yeah. Um, I know we have differing opinions on this. Um, we'll give our two cents as we go along towards the season. But what's really been surprising is the Jets. Uh, they've been pleasantly surprising, in my opinion. They've just been... I mean, these acquisitions, I mean, everybody wanted Mike, even Mike, Mike McCagnan was the joke of New York at a, at a period of time. And he, every move that he made was just excellent. Yes, C.J. Mosley severely overpaid and kind of ruined any other chance for the rest of 31 teams in the NFL of signing a linebacker at a decent contract. But all these moves, Osemele, phenomenal trade, a guy who has been a pro bowler in his career. He got hurt. That's why the Jets got him for as cheap as they did for a fifth-round pick. And they also got a sixth-round pick back in that trade. Le'Veon Bell, of course. I mean, if he's able to do... Well, he's doomed now. He's doomed? Well, that offensive line, yeah. He's playing behind a terrible offensive line. Well, listen, that'll probably be... Well, they only have six draft picks. That'll probably... I mean, you'll see probably they wind up drafting a defensive player with that third overall pick. But the rest of their picks will probably go towards the O-line. The C.J. Mosley pick, as I said, I mean, anytime you get a defensive player, especially from that Baltimore defense, excellent. Uh, Jameson Crowder, another player who I think was the steal of free agency, he, he he's going to be an excellent receiver. Very he's underrated. Be, he's going to be Sam Darnold's safety blanket. Yeah. And Poole, the cornerback from Atlanta, I'm pretty sure they let him go. I'm pretty sure they released him. I don't, I don't think he was a free agent. This is another great signing because I don't believe that they have enough faith to go alongside Tremaine Johnson after the first season. had three picks last year and three sacks from the cornerback position. Yeah. I don't believe that the Jets have enough faith in Tremaine Johnson. That's why I believe this is an excellent signing for them. Bust a screen. I know every Jets fan was thanking God for that one. Finally, him getting out of a Jets uniform. A year or two too long. Yep, a year or two too long. And the Jets let Claiborne go. They let Claiborne well. go, but he wasn't that great of a cornerback uh, either. But uh, Poole is a good He's a good, solid cornerback. I don't know. I, I disagree with that. I just think he didn't fit well with the Jets' uh, system. Maybe. He had two picks last year. I mean, he was a decent player. I mean, yeah, he blew, blew some coverages, but still a young guy, 29 years old. He has some years left in him. So, um, yeah. playing for Dallas a little bit can get you stuck up, you know? Yeah. And then you go to the Jets. Yeah. It's a huge, it's a major drop. Um, yeah, well, the good news is the Jets is typically the the Jets are typically not a player's last stop. The last stop is usually Oakland. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk more about that at a later time. We're going to step aside for a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk some NBA basketball. We're going to review a couple of the big games from last week and preview what's to come with this playoff picture. You're listening to Review and Preview here on the Wave, the sound of LIU. Now back to Review and Preview on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Kicking it back with some U2. Good evening and welcome back to Review and Preview here on LIUWave.org. I am your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Kyle Russo, running our engineering board. We are back here. Uh, you can call in with your questions, thoughts, comments, 516-299-2030. Take part in our live show. Big March Madness preview coming up in just a few minutes, but first, let's get some NBA basketball. The Miami Heat defeat the Oklahoma City Thunder on Monday night. This is part of our week in review. The Heat scored 67 bench points to compare to the Thunder. 
just 10. So a lopsided game. Miami taking advantage of the Thunder being without PG. Uh, and it was just Russell. Yes. Westbrook was out, yeah. not Paul George. Apologies. But, yeah, uh, I knew a star was out. Just mm-hmm. couldn't wrap her head on my finger which one it was. But, yeah, this is a much-needed win for Miami because you look at the standings right now. They're at the bottom of the East in terms of playoff standings. So they got to... They got to keep that eight seed, seven seed, wherever they are. So, uh, good win. No, um, definitely yeah. a solid win. I mean, and they've caught kind of a luck streak uh, based on schedule because tonight they play Milwaukee, I believe, and I believe Giannis's game time decision. Giannis is playing. He is playing. Yeah. Well, Milwaukee with their team, you know, they have a lot of outs right now. They have uh, Nikola Mirotic, who's huge. Brogdon is out too. Those are big players for them, but. Back to the OKC game. This was just a. You look at a team like Miami. They just they don't have that one star. But their bench is one of the best benches in the entire league. And and you see what they're capable of. Goran Dragic, Hassan Whiteside, and D Wade coming off the bench. Goran Dragic dropping twenty four. Dwayne Wade dropping twenty five. Listen, man. I I know this is Sweet Sixteen, one last dance. But I, I hope he never retires. I know the day is coming, but he can still play at an extremely high level. Extremely high level. Um, yeah, I mean, Miami may get in just for the heck of Wade, having one, one last ride, but they're not going to do anything once they're in. Oh, no, Milwaukee is going to make them look foolish. But Yeah. Um, speaking of the Bucks, they lose to the Sixers on Sunday. Giannis, a career-high 52 points, but they lose. Yep. Uh, without Brogdon, who you mentioned, who's out indefinitely. Miritich missed that game as well. Joel Embiid has been incredible. 40 points, 15 boards. This is just fantastic play by the Sixers. Ever since the deadline, getting more depth in their front court with with Tobias and Boban. Uh, this team has clinched a playoff spot now for the second straight year. And the Bucks seem to not, I mean, they're not healthy right now. And this is the wrong time for that to happen because Brogdon's out indefinitely and Miritich is going to miss... Uh, about half a month, two to four weeks, with a fractured thumb. That's huge because that is that is probably the leader of their three-point game, uh, in my opinion. Because you look at that team, Bledsoe, I don't know if I could count on him for the three. Giannis, you know, he can't count on him for the three. Tony Snell, other guys. Meritich is, is your, your sharp shooter. I know you got Pat Connaughton off the bench, but he's not as lethal as Meritich is if he gets hot. And that could be almost certainly huge for this team going down the stretch because two to four weeks, let's see he's out for four weeks. That goes into, that will go into the first round of the playoffs. If it is four weeks, yeah. Uh, Look, realistically, this is the type of player, he was great in Chicago, he went to the Pelicans, he was part of the reason why the Pelicans were able to outlast Portland. Portland. They beat them in five games? Four? No. No, it was four games, they sweeped them. Clean sweep. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it was just incredible. He's a fantastic shooter, as you mentioned, Kyle. And with these injuries, uh, it forced the Bucks to uh, show a card, and they had to sign Tim Frazier off the street. Uh, you know, Tim Frazier played with the Wizards last year. Young guy, but, um, you know, you just got to be a little concerned because they just signed Pau Gasol recently. Because uh, now, I mean... You look at some of the guys that are sitting at the end of their bench. You got Bonzi Colson, Sterling Brown, who's hurt. Everyone's hurt. I, I mean, think Dante DiVincenzo's hurt too. DiVincenzo was hurt with a heel brisitis. There's eight healthy players on the Bucks right now. Yeah. 
Bledsoe, Coulson, Middleton, Connell, Connaughton, Duval, Frazier, Gasol, Ilyasova, Lopez. Well, 10. Middleton and Snell. Yeah. And I guess DJ Wilson, but he really doesn't play. Yeah. Uh, this is a Bucks team. They'll still clinch the one seed in the East, I think. I don't think Toronto has a shot at catching them, even though they're not too far out. I don't think the Bucks are going to fall off much with Giannis and Middleton. Hopefully not. Hopefully uh, not. But speaking of which, you want to talk about a team that has really shined as of late in the West. The San Antonio Spurs beat Golden State Monday night. They, they've won nine out of their last ten. 22 straight seasons with a winning record. Clearly um, a poor man's version of the New England Patriots in sports. Oh, definitely. They and, win all the time. And this we were talking about this earlier when it comes to coaching. This is like one of the only coaches in the NBA that I'll, I'll let this slide on because Greg Popovich is absolutely legendary. You give him anything, he's going to make it a playoff team. You would think without DeJounte Murray throughout the rest of the season because he got hurt yeah. in training camp. He was supposed to be a huge step up. They let go. They released Pau Gasol, who's a guy who's going to give you probably 10-10 and 10 off the bench, give yeah. him minutes. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, first-year player in a Spurs uniform. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, who was rumored to have major problems with the Spurs organization and actually wanted to get out of there. And he he was an all-star. And, yeah. I mean, this team is just... It's one of those teams that's just going to always stick around. You know, they're going to fight. They might not get far deep in the West because, obviously, we know other hierarchy teams. The Nuggets, OKC, Portland, Golden State, of course. But, you know, they're they're a solid team. Solid, solid team. I think uh, if the Spurs move up one more seed, they have a shot to get out of the first round and a potential 4-5 against Portland. Because right now the Thunder are on a four-game losing streak. They've lost six out of their last ten. They are not good on the road either. I mean, neither are the Spurs, but neither is half the West except for Golden State. Yeah. Um, the West just beats each other up. Yeah. As of right now, the Warriors and Nuggets have clinched. Then there's Houston sitting right behind them for the three. Denver's only half a game back of the Warriors. And then at the four, you got Portland. And then at the five, you have a tie between the Thunder and the Spurs. You actually have a they four-way, have a four-way tie. tie. Yeah, between Utah, San Antonio, oh. OKC, and the Clippers. So that's actually— They all have the exact same record at 42 and 30. I mean, nobody's going to fall out of the playoffs, no. but, but the that, West that, is, is locked. that is huge because that is the difference between playing Golden State or potentially Portland. That is huge. That is huge. Yeah, I think you want to play Portland in that first round, especially with C.J. McCollum being out. I mean, he should be back for the playoffs, but— um, he, he's been out for a while, and it's really affected their team to the point where Joseph Nurkic is really their primary scoring option behind Lillard. Yeah. Um, and Lillard, he's used to stepping up without McCollum. By the way, CJ did return to practice today, so that's good news for the Blazers. But realistically, you can't count on a starting five come playoff time that consists of Lillard, Mo Harkless, Nurkic, uh, Nurkic Aminu, and I don't even know who their shooting guard fifth movie. starter was. I mean, maybe Jake Lehman. Yeah, they've been putting him in the startup. So potentially, but that's okay. Maybe Rodney Hood. Maybe if you move the shooting Hood, guard, yeah, probably Hood. 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 I wouldn't mind starting 
at shooting guard. But again, that's probably not good enough to no, get you. It's not. It's not. First. It's not good enough in the West. Maybe the East, but not yeah. the West. Uh, other big news: Dirk Nowitzki this week he moved up to sixth place on the all-time scoring list. Congrats to the goat. Uh, this is a man who is loved by everybody. In you the can't game hate of basketball. him. You, you can't, can't hate him. You can't. You got to respect what he's done, the way he's done it since 1998, before you were born. Yeah, long time ago. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, just an incredible player. I mean, and it, it, you know what I love about Derek? He's just so – he's just quiet. You know, he, he does hasn't it quietly. even officially retired yet, though. No, he's talking about coming back next season, which would kind of be funny because, well, I mean, Adam Silver made that all-star position for him, and then for him to come back next season, too, would kind of be which would, funny. Which would be weird because then, like, oh, you have to do it again. Yeah, potentially. Kind of. So it's just eh. – I listen. I, think, I would I love think to Dirk's, see him back. I, th- I would love to see him back, but I think Dirk's going to retire because he has not been able to stay healthy. I think he's going to stay because you know then you get to train Doncic Chris Stapps and and, Por- and Porzingis. Yeah, I think he's going to stay. I mean, Cuban Mark Cuban has said it over yeah, and over again. In what role at this point? Like it, he's probably going to be the backup uh, four to KP. Yeah, but he'll still get. And minutes. then you know you still got Kleber and Dwight Powell. Uh, I mean, I don't know who their starting center would be. Uh, Mejri? Salah Mejri? No, he's bad. Oh, God. That's the only backup center that. I'm thinking of right Don't now. Don't even say that. Uh, probably Kleber. Kleber. Um, and then you got Doncic, Hardaway, if they keep him. I mean, listen, the city of Dallas loves this man. Yeah. I mean, they, they will have no problem fitting him in it if it's minutes-wise. Speaking of the West, Memphis beats Houston Wednesday night in overtime by one point in a game that James Harden scored 57 points. It's crazy how this man's a one-man show. Uh, without him, Houston's not the three seed in the West right now. Uh, fun fact, James Harden has dropped at least 30-plus points once against every NBA team this season. Now let me throw a question back to you. Is that meaning lock-up for MVP? Does that mean lock-up for MVP? No. You don't think so? Well, I mean, he's definitely the most valuable player to Houston. But, I mean, Giannis is clearly the most valuable player to Milwaukee. Most valuable player in the Eastern Conference, for sure. I think he's the most valuable player in the league. Because are the Bucks the one seed without Giannis? You can make that argument as well. No, but is Houston even in the playoff? I mean, think about it. Capella and Chris Paul went down at the same time for about a two-month period. I mean, Houston could be at the bottom of the West right now, potentially, without James Harden. Put it up. I mean, it's a fair argument. Don't uh, yeah. get me wrong, yeah. but I think Giannis. No, is no, more I definitely see your. Harden. I definitely see your point. I definitely see your point. I think you put them one on one. I think Giannis wins mainly because of size, his length, his, wing, his wingspan is incredible to the point where Harden. You're talking one on one. He can't pull up some of those step back shots he would against the players at his position. Yeah. Uh, all due respect there. Uh, other big news. Big news that has been headlining the news. The Nats beat Sacramento Tuesday night, 123-121. High-scoring game. Uh, D'Angelo Russell puts up a career-high 44 points. You want to talk about scoring. 27 of his 44 came in the fourth quarter. That helped Brooklyn overcome a 28-point deficit. This man is fantastic. And, uh, I mean, I, I give it all credit to... Kenny Atkinson and the development process in which Brooklyn has done because you've seen it with other players too. I mean, everybody wants to uh, 
throw shade at Magic Johnson because kind of his first big move was trading D'Angelo Russell and drafting Lonzo Ball. What about Julius Randle? That was worse than Russell, I think. That that was awful. I thought that was guaranteed he was going to sign back, especially for the money he got from the Pelicans. I thought that was guaranteed signing back, but apparently Magic Johnson didn't want him, according to rumors. He allowed him to go, but people in the organization wanted him to sign him back. But anyway, back to D'Angelo Russell. This man is a star. I don't think he's a superstar yet. I think he's a star. Next year will be a superstar. I think he's a flat-out star. He's just on the verge. He li- he needs a little more consistency, but incredible. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Considering what they gave up to get him, a young point guard that could potentially be your starting point guard for the next 10-plus years, phenomenal player. I phenomenal happen player. to agree with that. Other big news this week, the Sixers... In addition to beating the Bucks, they beat the Celtics, 118-115. Uh, another boneheaded move by Marcus Smart. I have never liked this man. I don't think he belongs in the NBA uh, intellectually-wise. Shoving Joel Embiid, fine, 50000 good. I mean, it's just, listen, I think Marcus Smart, he's a bad guy. Marcus I think Smart, he's a bad guy. I think he's the... And this is a huge comparison, but he's the closest thing that I've seen to a Dennis Rodman. Because he just gets in your head. He doesn't care who you are. Maybe a Pat Beverly is a better comparison, but he's a smaller player. Not as heavy and thick of a player. But Marcus Smart just gets into everybody's head. He doesn't care who you are. Yeah, he's going to get fined here and there, but he plays defense like no other. And yeah, listen, Joel Embiid, he's the superstar. That's why he got fined $50,000. If it's another player, he probably doesn't get fined as much. You know, it's probably not going to be a suspension. It's probably just a fine. But I mean, I mean, this is what these. This is. I mean, in my opinion, this is what you want in games. Did you hear you what he want. said? He feels unprotected on the court. Well, maybe if you weren't who Joel? No, smart. Oh, he feels like he's a man stranded on an island in terms of the NBA establishment and how they rule things. Well, how about you don't do stupid things well, listen, on the when court that make you look like a, a, a player that didn't finish grade school? When you I were, remember, remember the time he elbowed Matt Bonner in the groin? And yeah. Matt Matt Bonner, one of the quietest guys who will never say a word, got right up in his face and was not happy about it. Well, listen, as a player who was notorious for one point in his career, probably a solid three, four years for, oh, that's the guy that's going to be known for flopping. You know, you kind of build that resume and statute of yourself and you know nobody wants to be on your side no matter what even if you are in the right look it started in college he went off at a texas tech fan when he was at osu oklahoma state uh, it's just bad guy uh great talent yeah definitely what a bad guy <laughs> tonight's games uh your miami heat take on the milwaukee bucks no brogdon no miritich but Giannis is there I I still think win because I don't I mean Giannis Ugh. I don't think he could I don't what? think he could carry the team single handedly by himself he's not carrying the team single handedly by himself Look I don't think other, Bledsoe he's got is, Chris Middleton Brooke Lopez Eric Bledsoe Ersan Ilyasova Patrick Bergen Connaughton how do you you are really a dedicated Notre Dame fan but no Bonzi Colson on the team as well both Massachusetts guys two Massachusetts guys at a Notre Dame. On the number one seed bucks. What do you think about that? I think that's great and all, but I think that the Miami Heat bench is better, considering that they have potential starters in this league coming off the bench. 
I like the system that Pat Riley, Eric Spolster are running. Who, Kelly Olynyk? No, Kelly Olynyk is actually starting, surprisingly, and Whiteside's coming off the bench. And he's giving you a solid 15 and 10 every game. Dwayne Wade has been dropping 20 every game. Gawan Drogic is back. I think they're a good squad. I'm not saying they're a bad squad. I just... Listen, when you compare, listen, you're comparing a, a team who's number one in the East to number eight. But Here's if you're matching them up right now with injuries, I think the Heat are the better team. Th- this is why, no, I disagree. I think the Bucks are the best team in basketball. That's that's an overstatement. Uh, no, it's not. It's true. Golden State? Yes. Oh, my God. I think so. Come on. The turmoil in that front court is awful. The, the, the Warriors have no bench. I mean, not that they need one. They don't need one. Let's that's, say that's the point. If there's an injury or something, DeMarcus Cousins needs to start playing with a second unit. I will say that. He shouldn't be starting. you got to start Andrew Bogut. Not because of skill, but because the downfall from the starters to the second unit. Bogut has started on the Warriors before, and they've been able to win championships with Bogut starting at center. He still does the exact same things he did two to three years ago. Start Bogut. Don't start Boogie. Not not because Bogut is better. He's clearly not. No, obviously. But listen, but when you look at this team put right Boogie now. Put Boogie on the bench because you don't yeah. want him playing much with Draymond either. I think he's better with the Livingston, Iggy, Yurebko unit, Quinn Cook, Kevon Looney. Yeah. Those, those guys, Yeah. good for Boogie. Draymond, yeah. bad for Boogie. No, no, that's I, I believe that's true. <laughs> no, because they're both... They're both big men who are used to playing underneath the net, yeah. and, and they can't. They interfere with each other's play. But look, let's just look at this here. You say Miami is better than Milwaukee right now? I think. I Name? don't think. Like, come on. In a seven-game the, series, the they're not four. winning. But I think that the big on the hot streak, Brogdon? on oh. the hot streak that there are, because they won four games in a row against solid teams. And now they go, and now they're at they're at home, right? No, yeah. are they on the road or are they at home? Uh, they're at Milwaukee. Okay. I still game. believe that they have a real shot in this game, and I think they pull out the victory. The Knicks getting blown out by the Nuggets. Nice. Thunder and the Raptors. Their uh, Raptors lead by 10. Spurs against the Rockets tonight. That should be uh, they're on their way, actually. Rockets up by 9 in the second quarter. Brooklyn against the Lakers. Milwaukee and Miami just on their way, by the way. Just started a minute and a half into the game. Yep. And then you got D'Angelo Russell returning to the Staples Center tonight. Spurs-Celtics on Sunday. Uh, We look at the playoff picture here. Stays the same in the West. Same stuff. Uh, Detroit, Brooklyn, and Miami are the 6-7-8. Pacers down to the 4 in the East with Boston half a game behind. That's big because the Pacers are on a four-game losing streak. This Oladipo injury is beginning to heavily affect them. Their go-to scorer right now is Boyan Bogdanovich. And that's not the recipe for success in the playoffs. You need a star. Yeah. Boyan Bogdanovich is an above-average player. Yep. He's not a star. Uh, other than that, everything is pretty much the same, except as we brought up earlier, those four teams tied 5-8 through eight in the West. At this time, Russo, quickly... We will go over our top 10 NBA centers. This is a flavorful segment that we've been doing for the past five weeks now. This is the last week that we will be doing this segment, and I will get started. Okay. My number one center is Nikola Jokic. I think he's been the most consistent center in the NBA this season. He hasn't really been hurt. He stays in the lineup. He's not a goofball that gets into trouble, and he plays defense. He's a fantastic player, and he is the Joker. My number one. My number two is Joel Embiid. 
if he wasn't a goofball, he'd probably be my number one. Uh, Joel Embiid can never stay healthy. He's always in and out of the lineup. And I think it's too inconsistent to be my number one. But by far, the most raw, talented player on this list. Had a great year at Kansas in college and great player. Uh, fun to watch on the court. And he has led the Sixers to their second straight playoff berth. Cat is my number three. Carl Anthony Towns. He's carrying them right now. Clear. Without Jimmy Butler. I mean, it's better for Cat and his performance without Butler, but it's hurting the team. He's a significant part to their future. Nikola Vukovic is my number four. Why? He's been fantastic. Magic on a three-game winning streak, trying to make the playoffs, I think, a year earlier than expected. I mean, you have Aaron Gordon, who's been playing great, and you have guys in the backcourt who are doing well, but Vukovic is the glue to that team. Rudy Gobert, my number five, great defender in Utah. Clint Capella, my number six, best defender on Houston after the departure of Ariza. Steven Adams, number seven, big banger type player, gets rebounds, scores points. He's emerged as the third guy in that big three for the Thunder. Yeah, He used to be like their worst starter. Now he's up there yeah. with Russell and Paul George. He's not better than either, but at his center position, he's fun to he's watch. He's one of the best. Joseph Nurkic is my number eight. Nurkic, a guy who's been around forever, but he's just 24 years old yeah. out of Bosnia. I mean, this guy is a big part of Portland's success. He needs to step up. If Portland's going to do anything in the playoffs, he needs to continue playing at a high level with Damian and CJ. Andre Drummond, my number nine. Al Horford, my number 10. One of the most underrated players in the league. Marcus Sull is my honorable mention. He's been moving around too much for me. Russo, you're up. All right, Joel, Joel Embiid is my number one because he's just, I mean, uh, his offensive game is ridiculous. Nikola Jokic, my number two. Rudy Gobert, my number three. I believe he is underlooked because he's more of a defensive player, but at the center position, that's what you want. Steve Adams, another guy, not going to score 20 points a night, but defensively locks that net down. Boogie Cousins, my number five. Just what he's able to do offensively and defensively. Phenomenal player. Carl Anthony yeah. Towns. I would have him up higher, but the team, since taking over as the number one guy, has just not been good. Clint Capella would have had him higher. He's been hurt a lot this season. A solid defensive player. Andre Drummond, give you 20-20 every night. That's just the type of player he is. Vucevic, another solid guy. Just over underlooked because of the market they're in in Orlando. And DeAndre Ayton, rookie, number one overall draft pick out of to Phoenix. I mean, he's just 18 and 12 a night. You just don't see that out of a rookie anymore. No, you don't. And that's my that's my top 10. Good picks. Yep. I think you really did them well. Um, I like how you put DeAndre Ayton up there as a rookie. Definitely a solid list for you, Kyle Russo. I would have put Nurkic on there, but I'm kind of biased as a Portland guy. So, uh, James Montefusco, the manager and co-host of our show, actually left us his list. Why don't you uh, shoot his list? Actually, James and Kyle Earhart tonight, they took an excursion up to Buffalo this morning. So they were on the, <laughs> the seven, eight-hour car ride up north. Uh, took about half their day, but uh, they're up there. They're well, and we missed them tonight. Yep. Without further ado, shoot. So James has Joel Embiid as his number one center, Nikola Jokic as his number two, Nikola Vucevic has a number three. I think it's a little high, but you know what? I like it. Number four, Clint Capella. Number five, Andre Drummond. Number six, Carl Anthony Towns. Number seven, DeAndre Ayton. Number eight, Rudy Gobert. 
number nine, Marcus Saul, and number 10, Hassan Whiteside James. I appreciate you showing love to a Miami Heat player because nobody does. Thank you, James. Comment on what you just said about Vukovic. I don't think he's too high. I really don't. No, he's averaging 21 points a game, 12 rebounds a game. He was my number four. I just don't believe it's – but at the end of the day, that's great numbers, but it's not enough to, you know – 37% 37% behind the three-point stripe as well. Just For a saying. big man, that's that's really good. Averaging just under four assists a game. Yeah. Love it. Uh, those are our top ten NBA centers. On that note, we are going to step aside for a quick break, and then when we come back, we will talk some college basketball and team of the week. You're listening to Review Preview here on The Wave, the sound of LIU. Good evening, and welcome back to Review and Preview. Congratulations. I like the tunes there, Kyle Russo. Thanks, I'm Tom. your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Kyle Russo running our board here. You can watch our show, or you can listen to our show on the wave, the sound of LIU. And we do apologize. Our Facebook Live video crashed, but we do have a new one up. Um, just underway. Uh You can watch that video on my Facebook account if you have Facebook. And you can also call in with your questions, thoughts, comments, 516-299-2030. Take part in our live show. So uh, we're going to do our team of the week now, and then we're going to start previewing some March Madness. Okay. So with that being said, um, Kyle Russo, who is your team of the week the Miami Heat because they have beaten some very capable teams solid teams and as of right now I believe that they are beating Milwaukee only by a score of 10 to 7 it's probably higher than that I checked a couple minutes ago but yeah the Heat just I mean they just compete Dwayne Wade still has a lot left in the tank and he's shown it my team of the week the Miami Heat that's a good pick I mean they're playing the Bucks tonight so let's see if that success can continue I mean it's going to be hard against the number one team in the East, but, I mean, you think they can get it done, so kudos. Um, All right, so my team of the week, obviously, with March Madness going on, a lot of big games coming up. My, it's hard. It really is hard. My team of the week, I got to go with Auburn because they won the SEC a conference that consists of Kentucky, Tennessee, and LSU. They improved their seating in the NCAA tournament to a five. I think they should have been on the four line, but that story is for another day. Bruce Pearl is a really good coach, and he's definitely my team of the week. Another honorable mention, as we discussed last week, with the 42nd overall pick, In the 2019 Major League Lacrosse Draft, the New York Lizards select Connor Farrell, face-off specialist, LIU Post. Connor Farrell had a career monster day two weeks ago for LIU, and he gets drafted by the New York Lizards. He's now a professional athlete. We do broadcast this show here on the LIU Post campus in Brookville, New York. And Farrell has been a standout athlete here for four years. And Kyle Russo, speaking of LIU, there's some other news buzzing around the campus. 
Yeah, LIU's very own Michael Richardson, Dion Mash, Jay Carlock. They they've they've gotten invites to the Giants workout program, and that's that's huge. I mean, that would be amazing. You know, Tom, to say you're a part of that and then watch them not only grow with your team as a college student, but grow with your favorite football professional team. Yeah. I mean, that'd be a story and a half. That would be really, really cool. Got to be happy for those guys. Um, I've gotten the opportunity to call some of their games over the years as a former student of the university. Michael Richardson started here in 2012, left, came back, broke the record for most touchdowns in a season for LIU last year. Uh, 14 touchdowns. Deion Mash, fantastic player out of Brooklyn Tech High School. Fun to watch. 6'4", big guy. Yeah. He really carried the receiving core this year when Michael Richardson was out. Jake Carlock, great linebacker, a Stony Brook transfer, kind of like a hybrid type of player. Big Giants fan as well. Uh, I know him. Kevin Petit-Friere, five-year player. Missed a lot of last year. Uh he has been one of the significant pass rushers for a long time. All those guys graduating this year, congrats to them on their outstanding careers and earning a invite to the New York Giants following yeah. their pro day last week. Getting the opportunity to work out with the New York football Giants is great. Yeah. Especially all these guys being from New York. So, Same thing with Connor Farrell. Drafted yeah. New Orleans, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's great. And at this time, before we get to college basketball, Russo, we are going to step away for a quick station identification legal ID. Um, and then when we come back from that legal ID in just a few seconds, we are going to run down the brackets and finally get to some March Madness. You're listening to Review and Preview. Here on the wave, the sound of LIU. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Kyle Russo. Here on the wave, the sound of LIU. Reminder, you can call in with your questions, thoughts, comments, 516-299-2030. All right, let's get to it. 8.57, Team of the Week is done. Finally, we're getting to some March Madness college basketball. That is right. Uh, Things have been crazy the last couple of days but before we get to that let's review the week that was Kyle the big six conferences the ACC was won by Duke Duke defeated Florida State in the final great game Florida State surprised a lot of people they upset Virginia in the semis and then uh, Duke did beat UNC Duke currently up in their first tournament game right now 70 Five to 47 after that made free throw just now by R.J. Barrett over 16 seed North Dakota State. Villanova wins the Big East with a victory over the Seton Hall Pirates, so the Wildcats win the Big East. And then in the Big Ten, Michigan State a win over their arch-rival Michigan. Iowa State takes the Big 12 crown. I think they beat Kansas State in the final. And what's crazy about the Big 12, West Virginia Getting to the semis, man. That was nuts. Yeah. West Virginia, the bottom of the Big 12. Yeah. How? I don't understand. I don't know. Unexplainable. I really don't understand. Invigorated by the opinions of James Montefusco. No. Oh, he hates them with a yep. passion. Uh, other big conferences. SEC, we talked about my team of the week, Auburn. 
uh, not just escaping with a victory in the round of 64 yesterday, but coming out and just beating down Tennessee. The game wasn't even close, man. Yeah, They were up by like 20 points for a while. It was fun to watch. No, um, definitely, definitely a great game. Pretty exciting. You know, I mean, Auburn, I get uh, the way they were seeded and everything, but definitely, and I had them in my bracket moving on, but mm-hmm. definitely a good game. It was surprising to see. Oh, for sure. I totally agree with you there, Kyle. Um, Oregon wins the Pac-12, earning an automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. Excellent work by the Oregon Ducks, earning a 12 seed. The Pac-12 is probably the worst conference in college basketball. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Like, look, man, they're not good. (laughs) Oh, and it was very impressive for Oregon to win, especially because their main player, Bobo, has been out. For the past, I believe, month and a half now, he didn't play, but they wanted up still winning the tournament. Yeah. And beating Wisconsin, I believe, today. Was it today or yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. Very impressive. Very impressive. Um, yeah. I mean, they're, they're a team that's flown under the radar a lot this season. But, you know, kudos to them doing well and winning the Pac-12. And they probably stole a bit away from UNC Greensboro. Yeah. They were probably going to be that next team in, but Oregon just says no way, Jose. <laughs> yeah. Other notable conference wins, Yale over Harvard for the Ivy League title. And then you got St. Louis over the Bonnies for the Atlantic Sun, the Atlantic 10. Uh, look, St. Bonaventure, an NCAA tournament, heartfelt fan favorite team for a while now. They've been great, and, you know, it's great to see the Bonnies get close, but St. Louis, they haven't been in it in a while. Great to see. They were picked sixth in the conference this season. For them to win their conference tournament is just fantastic. Yeah. That really is great. And I listened to the show last week from Stanford. You know, I worked the Big East semifinal games, the uh, Xavier-Villanova game and then the Marquette-Seton Hall game. You guys... uh, were bashing Duke, who was playing simultaneously in the ACC uh, semifinal. You guys or Michael or Dawes? Dawes, Dawes, Dawes was, yeah. ba- was bashing Duke. Duke, Duke was like, uh, Dawes was like, yeah, I'm not sure they're going to beat North Carolina. I don't think they are. And even Earhart was a little surprised as well on that result. But Duke, rightfully so. They they went, I mean, I understand it's by what? Didn't they win by a point? It was, I believe... It might, yeah, I think it was. Was it seventy four, seventy three? I believe that was the final score. I think so. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't, I believe it was either like one or three. And the reason why it was because Zion got that offensive rebound late. No, but even at that, Duke got lucky because UNC had that last minute shot. Seventy four, seventy three was the final. Seventy four, seventy three. UNC had a time, uh, a chance to yeah. win the game, and they just missed. Luckily for Duke, but yeah. It was a great game. Great game. Yeah, and then they come back the next day, and they get a good contribution from everybody um, in the ACC final against Florida State. No bench points, but the starters were great. Zion with 21, Trey Jones with 18, R.J. Barrett with 17. I mean, bravo to Duke, and they earned their one seed. Yes, They They were the number five-ranked team heading into that tournament, but winning the ACC tournament, the toughest conference in college basketball, crazy. Yeah, without a doubt. Crazy stuff. And then 
I'm going to shout out one guy from the Big Ten final. Michigan State against Michigan. Matt McQuaid with 27 points. 7-13 to 13 behind the three-point line. Yes. Fantastic basketball player. Yeah. Big IQ guy. And he's a senior. He's been around for a while. Great guy. Uh, Goins as well. Winston. Michigan State, the top two seed in the in the tournament, which um, it's kind of crazy. But yeah, I still can't believe Dawes was he he said I'm dancing in Duke's grave on last week's show. Well, let's just like clearly Dawes, didn't have. Well, let me explain a little bit. Dawes was very angry before the game. He had oh I know we, as we all know. Dawes is a gambling man. He had gambled <laughs> on the Understatement. Davidson game, and. I forgot who they were playing. If I don't, but Kyle was making uh, Kyle Earhart, not me, of course. But Kyle Earhart was making jokes towards Dawes. He's like, "Where's Steph Curry at when you need him?" And yep. Dawes was getting yep, really he, he was Dawes was getting really heated. He wasn't liking it, and so of course, because Kyle Earhart is a notorious Duke fan. Oh, we that's, know that's that's where it came into play. We know that's where it came into play. Um, speaking of which, the NCAA tournament. The brackets were announced on Selection Sunday. We will run down the brackets. The four number one seeds were Duke, Virginia, North Carolina, and Gonzaga, who lost in their conference final to St. Mary's, which St. Mary's earned an at-large beating Gonzaga. Otherwise, I don't think they were going to make it. No. But they did. Even though they're out now, they lost to Villanova earlier today, but... Gonzaga was the last number one seed. Um, do you agree with that? Yeah, I don't. I don't have any problem with these number one seeds. I mean, uh, my only problem maybe in potentially Virginia. I mean, you, you saw what happened to them. Obviously, they wanted up coming out with a win by fifteen. But if you were watching that first half, they just oh today they were against horrible. Gardner Webb against Gardner Webb they were horrible. Well, look, they also they lost to Florida State in the semis. Which don't get me wrong, Florida State extremely talented team. But they're not on that level. But, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. But it, it was almost like, is this going to be a repeat of what happened two years ago, Virginia getting knocked out in the first round? Right. And it was yeah. it was crazy. They did pull away with the win, but I, I, I agree with the committee with the one seed. I thought the committee got majority of the tournament seedings right. I mean, I think Auburn was ranked a little too low. I think Auburn should have been on the four line instead of the five. I think Auburn and Kansas should have been flip-flopped. Four and five. Uh, what didn't make sense to me was Michigan State winning the Big Ten, and you reward them. Oh, you give them a two seed, of course, but you put them in the Duke region. This made no sense. Yeah, that only hurts them monetary-wise, if you think about it, because now when you see that game, I mean, potentially, I mean, I think we could all agree the matchup that we all want to see in the championship game is Duke versus UNC again. I, I think we can all agree with that. I mean, that's what I think is going to happen. That's not what I want. Okay. Well, I, I, the most value is in the game of Duke versus UNC. Oh, I of course. It'll be a sellout. So, to seconds. potentially have that type of competition up against Duke in Michigan State, to potentially eliminate them, can only hurt college basketball as an organization. I don't think it, I don't think it could benefit them in any way. But... Uh, I listen. I don't know. I mean, obviously they, they're the committee, and that's why we're not. Right? And then you put Michigan in the Gonzaga region, which made no sense either. 
Um, I like either that, stand, Look, I like you, that. You, put, you put Michigan out west. That made sense. But, see, I would have put Kentucky out west, and I would have put Michigan in the big west, yeah. in the North Carolina region. Yeah. I would have put Kentucky in the Gonzaga region. And then I... Uh, Potentially. No. Well, I don't I, know. I probably would have put Kentucky in the Duke region. I would have put Kentucky really? in the Duke region. Why? Well, I think Michigan and Michigan State and Tennessee are all better than Kentucky on paper. I, I think, honestly, in my opinion, the, the committee just wants to see Duke versus UNC. I mean, that, that's maybe, what I feel. Maybe. That's what I feel. But I don't know. Um, other news, the St. John's Johnnies right down the road in Queens, New York, about 20 minutes away from the LIU Post campus. Kyle, St. John's was literally on Selection Sunday out of all 68 teams – they were the final team. They were number 68, literally the last team in. Thoughts on that? Well, Tom, as you have down here, it definitely showed. It looked like it. Yeah. It looked like they were it the last team showed. in against Arizona State, the playing game. They were not They were not good. No, they weren't. Uh, they didn't show up, but St. John's, they lost in the second round of the Big East tournament to Marquette, who... Outside of that, went to St. John's. They lost five out of their last six. But crazy. And three one seeds out of the ACC. That's pretty darn impressive. It is. It is. It's very surprising, too. Yeah. You know what? The committee is changing. And it's it's what college basketball fans want. It's what's deserving of that. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's rewarded. Yeah. So let's run down this bracket. Why don't we? In yep. the East, we have Duke. As the number one, they are currently in action against the number sixteen seed North Dakota State. They lead eighty to fifty-six with three and a half minutes to go. So we already know. Wait a minute, who's advancing? Wait a minute, Tom. I thought North Dakota State had a had a chance. Third, thirty. Points. Hey, they were up twelve-five in the first half. But that means nothing because Duke could turn it on. Let me, so does your uh, elite eight pick of Louisville? That means nothing. That we will not. Talk Ouch! About that. We will not talk Ouch. about that. But give me a give me a stat sheet on that eighty to eighty to fifty six right well, now. Well, look, and Oof. this goes with saying that Marcus Bolden is not a hundred percent backing up Zion. Key reserve Jack White is out tonight for Duke. That's big, but uh, didn't hasn't really showed. In this game, just under three minutes to go, and Duke has their benching right now, uh, led by Alex O'Connell, who, who's been fantastic as of late. Yeah, he's been probably their best bench player since the middle of February, if, to be honest with you. But how did North Dakota State get into the tournament? Well, they won their game against NC Central on Wednesday. It was a good game. It was a playing game, but they they're a good team. North North Dakota State. They had their work cut out for them. But they got it done. And Duke, as long as they hold on, which they're going to, will play the winner of VCU and UCF. VCU earns the eighth seed in the East region. UCF earns the ninth seed. They play at 9.40 p.m. Uh, I got UCF in this game. Uh, look, VCU is a tough team. Yeah, they uh, for sure. But realistically... I love UCF. Uh, what's that guy's name? Taco. Taco Fall. Taco Fall. Taco Fall. He's a pretty solid young player. Huge individual. 
Oh seven, yeah, seven foot six. There was a actually a post that came out on Instagram today. There's a picture of him standing center court at the tournament next to Tracy Wolfson. Is there really? There's and Tracy Wolfson, if y'all don't know, is an ESPN reporter. She stands about five foot two. Oh wow. Oh my goodness. This photo is ridiculous. It makes him look. I I couldn't even believe that she is it was that only. Bad? It was so bad. Oh gosh. I couldn't even believe that she was only five foot two. Yeah. When this picture standing net. Let me see if I can pull it up on my phone real quick. But oh my goodness, you know that's that's what I want to see in a match. I really want to see Zion up against Taco Fall because you know Zion's going to wind up playing the five down low. Oh yeah. So it'll be pretty interesting to see because you know I mean Taco Fall might not have the strength to guard Zion, mm-hmm. but he definitely has the length to block him. It's definitely an interesting matchup. But I have U- I have UCF in this game too, Tom. Yeah. No, UCF should come away victorious. Uh they are uh, three and three against the top fifty of the season. They went thirteen and five in their conference, thirty-one in the AP rankings, and they're a team that knows how to score. Uh, Mississippi State currently tied with number twelve Liberty. Uh, the five-twelve upset is common. We've seen two twelve seeds survive and advance already in Oregon and Murray State, uh, and the only twelve seed that has lost so far, New Mexico State. Uh, they only lost by one point to Auburn yesterday, Kyle. I think that was the best game of yesterday. No, yeah, uh, couldn't couldn't agree more, Tom. I mean, this yeah. was definitely a well-played game all the way to the end. I mean, when you look at this Auburn team, I mean, they're a sleeper. I truly, even though they're ranked at the fifth seed, they beat New Mexico State. The Aggies wound up missing a open three-pointer. It was a huge look that should have been at least close to being made, but... Missed, obviously. Auburn moves on, the number five seed playing Kansas. Kansas is a weak team. Kansas is an absolutely weak team. They got lucky that they got the fourth seed, got to play Northeastern, beat them out by 30. But but back to Mississippi State and Liberty, they're currently tied at 53 apiece, Kyle. And, you know, this this is a big game. I mean, of course, every game is big come NCAA tournament time, but Mississippi State, an at-large bid. And Liberty as well. They they were a good team this season. They uh they they made some noise. I mean, they come into this game twenty eight and six. So you can never count out a Liberty team. But their coach was losing sleep over Mississippi State and what they can do. Well, uh, Liberty right now only trails three points behind with nine minutes left in the game. Yeah, fifty six, so fifty three. I mean, it's still at that point anybody's game, and that. Potentially huge upset for a lot of brackets out there, but yeah. definitely an interesting game. Um, I did not pick them. I picked Mississippi State. I did too. Four versus 13, you got Virginia Tech, led by Buzz Williams, taking on the St. Louis Billigans, who win the Atlantic 10, beating St. Bonaventure on Sunday, one of the three conference title games. I got Virginia Tech in this game. So do I. I don't think it should be. I mean, St. Uh, Louis we were talking about before, one of the last teams to get in. This shouldn't be. This should not be difficult for yeah. Virginia Tech. Maryland defeated Belmont yesterday, seventy-nine, seventy-seven. After trailing double digits, Maryland comes back. Comes back and that wins. might have been the best game of the tournament so far. That was. That I was, was not happy because I was so disappointed because Dylan Windler put his heart and soul on the line, scoring thirty-five points yeah, that, in this yeah. game. Oh my god! And. They, I don't know what happened late. Bel- Belmont just stopped hitting shots. I mean, this Windler kid was 7 of 14 from downtown 
11 rebounds. He was fantastic. Nobody else helped him out. I mean, yeah, McLean had 19, but everyone else had single digits or less. That's not okay. Maryland, they got majority of their scoring. Fernando was good, Smith, Ayala, and Morsel, but I really did not want Maryland to win. I had Belmont in a 6-11 upset, which should have happened. Realistically. It it should have. It should have happened. But it did not, and Maryland moves on. Thank you for not busting my I I was perfect until then in one of my brackets. LSU versus Yale. This was a very interesting 3-14 seed matchup. If there was a 3 seed at risk in the round of 64, it was LSU. LSU. Why? Will Wade, their head coach, on leave, not with the team. Big come tournament time. LSU survives in advance, only beating Yale by five points. And my take on this game was Oni only had five points. Mie Oni, who averages 17 points a game, he was supposed to carry Yale. He only put up five, and I think that's why they lost. Because you look at what they did behind the three-point line, Yale just shot 21% behind the three-point line. It wasn't good enough. Where you have a solid unit for LSU, and you have Water, you have Skylar Mays, Nas Reed. Skylar Mays carried this team. He absolutely carried this team. This was a phenomenal performance by him. Yeah. He shot 5 or 11 from the field, 7 from 8 from Dude, free I throw. almost picked the L. I almost did it. Really? But I went with LSU. Yeah. I mean, Jay, Jay Billis took him. Nice. So. You know what that means. You got to take him. Yeah. But that was definitely that was definitely a great call. Um, another game, Louisville and Minnesota. This was the first game of the day yesterday. I had Louisville in our bracket. Uh, Very disappointing. They outcome. lose to Minnesota, 86-76. Did the tournament, uh, did the committee get this right, putting uh, Richard Patino against his former father's team in Louisville? Richard Pitino. I mean, do you think this had an impact? No. Do you do you think this was a distraction at all? No, I don't. I don't think not. At I don't all. think I it mean, was. I just think it was I- the, ironic. If you if you were to ask the players, I don't even know if some of the players would know that that Rick Patino's father had coached Minnesota. I, I really don't believe. I didn't even know that up until you just told me, but. Listen, this game, I had Louisville going to the Elite Eight playing Duke, and this was extremely disappointing because they were they were an underdog team that was talked about quietly. You know, they weren't going to beat you with offense. They were going to beat you defensively, but they came up short against this Minnesota team, very surprisingly. Yeah. Very surprisingly. Um, yeah, that was a shame. And then to wrap up the East region, Michigan State survives and advances against Bradley. Um, look, this was a big game. Because Bradley, the, the lead was going back and forth between Bradley and Michigan State, Kyle. Uh, this game was a lot closer than what it seemed throughout. I did not think Michigan State handled this well. No, Obviously, they, they persevered at the end. But the scoreline does not show how close this game really was. And you saw the, I don't know if you saw the video with Tom Izzo and that player. Oh, yeah. Oh, my Oh, my goodness. You know, there was a lot of debate going on. Is should there be any is there any backlash for Tom Izzo with that reaction? I mean, uh to and you you just saw that one part where he came onto the court and dressed the player. I don't know. But then while sitting on the bench, he's still attacking the player. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. I don't understand some people. I don't listen, I mean that's how you get into a player's head. I mean, that's yeah. what you gotta do, but um it seemed a little severe to me. Yeah. Uh, we move on 
The West, Gonzaga, number one seed there. No argument playing against number 16, Fairleigh Dickinson, who won their play-in game. Fairleigh Dickinson representing the Northeast Conference, the same conference as LIU. Uh, Fairleigh Dickinson got blown out 87-49. Gonzaga, they earn a date against the number nine seed, Baylor, which tops number eight, Syracuse. Uh, the Baylor Bears, I think they upset a lot of brackets. A lot of people pick Syracuse in this game because Bayheim and the Orange, very successful in the round of 64. I was a culprit. I was a culprit. I had picked yeah. Syracuse Orange. I had picked them. And, you know, to throw back a question to you, Tom, because you had asked me one earlier, with uh, Rick Pitino and his father's coaching Minnesota, does this have anything to do with the earlier incident of Jim Bayheim? You know, is there any is there any... You know, I, I don't know. Because this is a team that's notorious for going far in the tournament. Yeah. I mean, to exit out this early to a lesser seed, I get it, it was the 8-9, and nine, but a lesser seed. And especially the way they lost, too, by a decent amount. I mean, it's – I don't know. I mean, it was pretty interesting. It was a good game to watch, but obviously, as I picked Syracuse to move on, it was definitely not the outcome that I was looking forward to. But, I mean, what can you do? What can you do? Um, Baylor in this game was led by graduate student Makai Mason, who had 22 points, a grad transfer from Yale. Fun fact. Fun fact. Uh, which he was fantastic in this game. And Baylor will advance to play Gonzaga tomorrow. Marquette, the 5-12, really the first upset of the day, in my opinion. Murray State advances and blows out Marquette. 12-5 line, final score 83-64. This was a fun game. Mark, Marcus Howard against Job Morant, who finally got exposed to the public. Triple-double, 17 points, 16 assists, 11 rebounds. Job Morant, I think, just solidified himself as a top two to three NBA draft pick. Oh, definitely. I, I believe before this tournament he was already number two or three, but I think he solidified himself over R.J. Barrett as the point guard to be taking. I mean, he's just yeah. he's unbelievable. He is unbelievable what he was able to do. He literally, he carried that team. I mean, every, a lot of people, and myself, I was doubting myself while picking Murray State, but because of what Marcus Howard was capable of, Marcus yeah. Howard, as we know, shot the ball atrociously. That's what you have to do. You have to shoot that much when you're basically mm-hmm. the only player on the team. But John Morant, unbelievable performance. Ninth player in NCAA tournament history to score a triple-double. Yeah. Marcus Howard played atrocious, too. Yeah, he, he was not good. I mean, he was really bad. Well, he shot the ball. Nobody like showed times. up besides Sam Hauser. Really, I mean, I understand Howard's always going to score points, but Hauser was really the only guy that put up respectable numbers: sixteen points, ten rebounds. Yeah, Howard shot the ball way too much, and they bit the bullet there against the twelve seed. I had that game. Murray State upsetting Marquette. Florida State beats Vermont seventy six sixty nine. A game that Vermont led at times. They were leading by, you know, a couple of possessions in that first half. But Cabin Jelly and the Seminoles, just too much. The Seminoles, they're led by a really good coach. They made the ACC tournament final. And they have productive scoring from their starters where Cabin Jelly with 21 points off the bench. And Vermont, they were 50% from three-point range. Florida State still finds a way to win by seven. No, absolutely. It was crazy because I, I thought Vermont was going to win the game because at, at a point in time, Vermont had made like 
12 three-pointers to Florida yeah. State's two. And they finished off the game. Vermont had made 16 three-pointers, and FSU finished off with three. To win a game by almost 10 points and only oh, only making three well, three-pointers. here's why Vermont lost. They yep. tur- turned it over. They couldn't make free yeah. throws. 54% yeah. from the free throw line. They can't have it in the tournament. This game just in today, the Buffalo Bulls beat the Arizona State Sun Devils. Buffalo, the sixth seed, one of the five teams representing New York in this tournament. Five teams representing New York. Buffalo, St. John's, Syracuse, Iona, Colgate, and and Iona, which Buffalo was ranked the highest, the sixth seed. The Buffalo Bulls winning the MAC. Uh, 31-3 and record. One of the best teams in the nation this season, 32-3 and now after their win today. But realistically, I mean, their star player, I mean, Jeremy Harris, great guy. Massenburg, fantastic player. They shoot the ball well. Their bench, Perkins had 21 off the bench today. I mean, a lot of people are picking Buffalo to upset Texas Tech. I don't know if I'd go that far. But they really showed up against the Sun Devils today, who took advantage of a uh, really shattered-down St. John's team on Wednesday night. Uh, St. John's didn't belong, and they showed it against the Sun Devils. Yep. Sun Devils definitely have a couple NBA-ready players as well. Yeah, number zero on that team is incredible on the Sun Devils. I I forgot his name, but he had a game. uh, I don't think it was today. It was against St. John's. He was phenomenal. Are you talking about Chatham? Yeah. Cheat him? Cheat him. Yeah. Phenomenal game. 22 points in that game. Yeah. He did foul out, though. Yeah. So, um, Texas Tech takes care of Northern Kentucky, a 3-14 matchup. This game surprised a lot of people. Number 7, Nevada. They were part of last year's Elite Eight. They lose to the Gators, number 10 seed, 70-61. to Rough game. The Gators move on. They survive in advance. Mike White bringing them to the SEC semifinals. That win over LSU helped the Gators get an at-large bid. Uh, The Martin Twins were great. They had 23-19, but nobody else showed up. This is a team game. The Gators played better. I think Mike White is a great head coach. I mean, you got guys like Hudson, Allen, Hayes. The Gators, I don't know how much further they're going to go, considering they now have to play Michigan, who yeah. destroyed Montana, a two fifteen matchup tomorrow, but we'll see. That wraps up the East and the West. So the East, the top four, you got Duke, Michigan State, LSU, and Virginia Tech. That should be a fun region. In the West, the top four, you got Gonzaga, Michigan, Texas Tech, and Florida State. On that note, we're going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, we will run over the South region and the Midwest. You're listening to Review Preview here on liuwave.org. Back to Review and Preview. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Kyle Russo. You are listening to us here on liuwave.org. And you can watch us on Facebook Live tonight. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, in the midst of our March Madness bracket. We just talked about the East and the West. 
Uh, let's move on to the South. Uh, Kyle Russo. I mean, the the South itself, I mean, that's going to be a fun bracket to watch. Um, a lot of big news going on right now. In today's games, Virginia nearly lost the Gardner-Webb, a 16 seed. Uh, Gardner-Webb was up in that first half before Virginia finally started to pull away. Uh, this was almost a repeat performance of last year. Kyle Guy was awful. Yep. Jack Salt, I think he got hurt or something. I don't know what happened. He was shaken up at one play, but Hunter finally came on. DeAndre Hunter had 25 points, but he finally came on. In that second half, Virginia wins. They'll advance to play Oklahoma, the nine seed who destroyed the eighth seed Ole Miss, 95-72. to uh, Oklahoma just blew them out. I mean, Oklahoma was a borderline team. I mean, it was the eighth and the ninth seed, so, I mean, you really can't. I mean, obviously a blowout wasn't expected, especially for an 8 and 9 seed, but I had Ole Miss, who was the 8 seed. I had them beating Oklahoma. I, I don't think anybody expected a blowout to this magnitude, 95 to 72. That is crazy. Yeah. Very unexpected. Yeah. Uh, the Sooners, 19 and 13. Ole Miss, 20 and 12. So nearly identical records. I mean, the difference for me in this game was that Doolittle, Manic, James, and Odomus all had 18-plus points. Four of their five starters had at least 18 points, which was incredible. And then Ole Miss just didn't show up. The Sooners were great behind the three-point stripe, 46%. Um, they were fantastic. They will survive in advance to play Virginia, which, just saying, Virginia needs to look out. Uh on Sunday when they play Oklahoma. This is this has potential to be an upset. To be an upset. Yeah. No, with what doubt. we witnessed today. Yeah, against Gardner Webb, it was horrific yeah. performance. Oh, it was for it sure. Was horrible. And I had I had Oklahoma beating Ole Miss. And I had Virginia winning against Gardner Webb, of course, but oh man, almost saw UMBC two point Wisconsin loses to Oregon, not even close, 72-54. The Pac-12 champs come out victorious at 12-seed upsets of five. Fun fact, 12 seeds are 16-24 and 24 in the last 10 years. So you got that 5-12 line. I mean, we've seen two 12 seeds, 12 seeds win today already. Very impressive. Yeah. I mean, uh, listen, I know they won the Pac-12, but like we were saying, it's one of the weakest conferences in college basketball. You know, me as a fan, without Bobo, I didn't see them going far. I granted I should have had them going at least to the round of 32, if not further, but I had Wisconsin in this game. I did not expect the outcome in which proceeded. This was, this was a slaughter. This was an absolute slaughter of Wisconsin. Wisconsin throughout the whole game, they just did not look ready for what Oregon had to throw at them. They looked poorly coached, in my opinion. And it was just a bad game. Pritchard was on today. Pritchard had a really good game. Uh, Ethan Happ did not. And I think they were riding behind the shoulders of Ethan Happ. And when you only put up 12 points and 8 rebounds from a star player, it's just not going to cut it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Bo Ryan's not there anymore. He was a fantastic coach for them, but he's gone. Also, big upset here. A lot of people call this one the Anteaters of UC Irvine, a 13-seed upset of four, the lowest seed to advance so far. Uh, Kansas State without senior star Dean Wade, redshirt senior. So, uh, bad way to go out. You don't even get to play. Yeah. Uh, Kansas State, besides Stokes, had no offense. The Anteaters made their free throw shot 90% from the line, 44% from the field, 39% behind the three-point arc. Hazard was fantastic. He was clutch. He was really he Five a, of 11. Did you get to watch this game I, at I all? I did watch the game. Uh, I watched it. I watched about the first 15, and I watched the last about seven, eight minutes of the game. Hazard was clutch. He had a clutch three that really sink this team. And then they came back, Kansas State. And Kansas State, what happened was they were down by two, had a chance to tie with about 45 seconds left. The Kansas State player, I forgot his name, dribbles the ball down the court. He's at the, he's at the top of the key, and he passes. he throws the ball to the right, and he throws it into his own bench. Yeah. Because the bench was standing up. He <laughs> thought it was one of their players on the court. That's insane. Yeah. UC Irvine winning the Big West. Yeah. It's crazy how this goes. You get the uh, the conference winners, of course, and then the at-larges last until the 11th seed. And then 12 through 16, you got a lot of the mid-major schools, the conferences. So there's a lot of chance for the Cinderella's in this tournament. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, you know, there's 32 conference winners. So every... Division One basketball program has a chance to make the NCAA tournament and a fair chance. Yeah, it's great. It is. This sets up a twelve thirteen round of thirty two matchup on Sunday between Oregon and UC Irvine. Anybody's game. And I called both of those upsets. I didn't call either of them. What do you think about that? I think you're a lot better at bracketology than I am. Well, look, I also spent sixteen hours and thirty five minutes on bracketology this week. I spent about. A minute and a half. Kyle Russo, as mentioned on the show, <laughs> don't our, bet. Please. <laughs> please, just listen, don't. Just don't. Listen, at the end of the day, with my bracketology right now, I am good. And if Virginia would have lost, I believe that I would have been at the top because I believe I'm one of the only teams in our group right now that doesn't have Virginia going to the Final Four. Um, I don't have them going to the Final Four either. Okay. I have them going to the Elite Eight only because if they play Oregon in the Sweet 16, I think they'll take care of them. Uh, Villanova beats St. Mary's. Uh, St. Mary's winning their conference against Gonzaga. Um, yeah, this, this was an upset a lot of people wanted to call, but I knew it was too good to be true. The defending national champions are not going out in round one. No. The West Coast Conference went to St. Mary's, but Gonzaga, they're the beasts of that conference. They just called them on a bad day. Um, Look, things happen. And Villanova, they rely on Pascal and Phillip Booth. They did in the Big East Tournament. Big East Tournament champs as well. The six-seed Villanova moves on. They win 61-57. Uh... The three-seed Purdue takes care of number 14-seed Old Dominion. Purdue and Villanova will play uh, Sunday. The first game today, the 10-seed Iowa upsets number 7-seed Cincinnati 79-72. A lot of people think 
Cincinnati was unfairly tabbed as a seven seed in the South region. A lot of people think they should have been on that six line or even higher. Uh, your thoughts on the Bearcats? Uh, the Bearcats unperformed, and I'm very happy with the outcome because in my bracket, I had Iowa. Yeah. It was the lowest seed beating Cincinnati. <laughs> so I am very happy. Um, other games going on in the South region, or that happened today. Tennessee beats the 15 from New York. The two seed over the 15, Colgate, 77-70. And Kyle, Colgate was hanging tough late in the second half. They were down big early, but they came back. Burns was fantastic with 32 points. But, you know, I like Grant Williams. I like Admiral Schofield. Jordan Bone Jordan has Bone. been the backbone of that team, no pun intended. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but to be honest, the key factor to me was Jordan Bowden off the bench with 13 points. I thought he was good, and he helped them. He did. That wraps up the South region. Quickly here, the Midwest just underway. Iona, number 16 seed, currently leads North Carolina 9-8. to eight. Enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, Iona, the 16 seed. They win the MAC conference. Shout out to Jaden Daly, play by play broadcaster. He's called a bunch of Iona games this season. He's called about 60 college basketball games. Former St. John's alum, went to school with my brother. Uh, so the eighth seed, Utah, loses to the ninth seed, Washington, 78 61. Surprised about that one. I mean, I know the Huskies are a good team, but. Utah State, a lot of people were talking that they have upset potential over UNC if cards fall into place, but they didn't even get to the round of 32. So thank you, next. Number five seed, Auburn, survives the number 12 seed, the New Mexico State Aggies. This was tough to watch. There was a poor kid crying at the end of the bench at the end of that game, but New Mexico State just kept making threes, and then they turned it over, and then Auburn just... I don't know. They let this team back into the game. New Mexico State, couple open looks from three, last possession of the game. It was an a old, second it left. Have been any better? The last possession of the game was by the Aggies, and yeah. open. It couldn't be any more open. And not only was it a miss, but an air ball. Look, and you want to talk about double digit seeds? A lot of twelve seeds winning. I mean, two twelve seeds won. This could have been a third. This could have been a third. And fun fact, Kyle Russo, yes. at least one double-digit seed has reached the Sweet 16 eight out of the last nine years. Fun fact. <laughs> um, so Auburn gets by New Mexico State by one point. Number four, Kansas, beats Northeastern 87-53. to A lot of people questioning them. But when Bill Self is leading the charge, 30 straight NCAA tournament appearances, the longest active streak in Division One, I knew Kansas was blowing out Northeastern. It couldn't have been any more of a gift by the committee than this was. This was probably one of the only guaranteed guaranteed spots. Definitely winning. Uh, definitely a win for Kansas. Yeah. I mean, I, with the season that they've been had, having, definitely a gift by the committee to play Northeastern in the first yeah. round. Um, other games in this region. Iowa State and Ohio State, 6-11. and 11. Iowa State, the 6. They play tonight at 9.50. They'll play Houston. The winner of that game will play the number 3 seed, Houston, taking care of Georgia State. Good seeding for the Houston Cougars. A fantastic season for them. Wofford, the 7th seed, beats Seton Hall. 
the 10 seed. Uh, Wofford, the longest active winning streak in Division One, now at 21 games, followed by New Mexico State, 19. They lost. Irvine now at 17, Buffalo at 13. But Wofford defeats the Seton Hall Pirates, and Seton Hall making their fourth straight NCAA tournament appearance, unable to cash in. I was very disappointed in this outcome, not just because I had them in my bracket, but I thought Seton Hall was going to win, the, like was going to win this game. And if it wasn't for Fletcher McGee, is it Fletcher McGee? Yes. Oh my goodness, he set an NCAA record. I believe he has five hundred nine three pointers in his career. Yep. He hit eight of them last night. Twenty four points, unbelievable. That's an all time record. Most three points, most three pointers made in a career of an NCAA athlete. Seven threes in this game for Seven. Fletcher McGee. Unbelievable. Wofford was fantastic. Um, Miles Powell was really the only hope for Seton Hall, but I thought he would have carried them one game. Uh, Big East runner-ups. That'll set up a Wofford-Kentucky matchup. And that will do it for our analogies of the brackets. Other fun facts, Prairie View A&M, I know they were were eliminated in a playing game, making their first NCAA tournament appearance ever. Or first NCAA tournament appearance since 1968. Abilene Christian made their first NCAA tournament appearance ever. I believe they got bounced by Kentucky. And, of course, the five New York teams in this tournament, Kyle Russo, Buffalo, Cuse, St. John's, Iona, Colgate. Um, There's only two left, and there's going to be one (laughs) after these next two hours. So crazy. Um John Morant, though, has been the star of this tournament so far. Oh, without he's a doubt. Been, he's been the he's star been of this tournament. He's been probably the most impressive. You know, give me a stat sheet on the Duke game, but definitely the most impressive game. Uh, unbelievable performance by John Morant. I mean, he single-handedly carried this team, and I truly do believe, and it's not just to get underneath your skin because in your bracket you have F- FSU moving on past the round of 32, but Murray State, uh, carried by John Morant, it can and potentially will happen. I wouldn't. I wouldn't question it. I don't disagree. Uh, I just think that Florida State is more built well as a team, as where Murray State's kind of like one player. It, yeah, I, it's you know. No, you, yeah, you take I, John Moran yeah. away from that team, the Seminoles are blowing them out. Yeah, tomorrow. So, yeah. Uh, but the biggest up, the biggest blowouts: Gonzaga and then Kansas beating Northeastern, a team that has lost six straight NCAA tournament games. Uh, crazy, but. Um, some of the games going on right now tonight, Kyle Russo. Liberty, with 14 seconds to go, currently leads Mississippi State 75-72. to 72. If, oh. li- if, if Liberty holds on, Come on, this will be the third 12 seed to win in this year's tournament. I almost picked Liberty. I almost picked them, but after oh what goodness. their coach said, having nightmares over Mississippi State, I know the Bulldogs are a really solid team, but let's see what happens. Uh, 12 seconds left in this game. Mississippi State jacks up a three, but it missed, but he got fouled. That's not what you want to do up by four with 11 seconds left. You do not want to foul a three-point shooter, so the Bulldogs still alive in this one. So, as you know, me... And my co-hosts on Review and Preview, we have an NCAA Tournament Bracket Challenge. Myself, Kyle Russo, James Montefusco, Kyle Earhart, and Mike Dawes. So, who's currently leading in this Bracket Challenge? Well, Nick Tonks out of Huntington, New York, is currently ahead. 
in case you were wondering, we did a uh, challenge, or a we introduced all our competitors on our Instagram. But the current leader, oh, this just in, Tommy the Mac McNamara leads the former co-host of Review and Preview. He's part of our bracket. He is currently leading, and a tie for second place between Kyle Russo, you, and Nick Tonks, followed by the former host, Brian Marbach, myself, and Kanan Justiniano. So we will see what happens there. Um, And then other big games tonight. Of course, Liberty and Mississippi State in progress. Mississippi State down by two with nine seconds left. Iona currently leads North Carolina 15-14, UCF and VCU at 940, Iowa State and Ohio State at 950, Virginia Tech and St. Louis at 957 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, You might as well just say 10 o'clock. But um, those are the leaders. Let's go over the final fours here of our fellow co-hosts who are not here tonight. They're up in Buffalo. Kyle Earhart has Duke, Michigan, Virginia, and Kentucky. I can't argue with those four. That's a solid four. Two one seeds, two two seeds. But after today, Virginia is going to have trouble getting there. I love that Michigan pick, though. I didn't didn't have it in me to pick them going all the way. But when you really look at it, Michigan now plays Florida. It's going to be a tough opponent, but not the hardest. Then you go up against Buffalo or Texas Tech. Again, not that difficult. Michigan and Florida played in a Final Four five years ago. They played in a Final Four matchup. So this should be interesting to see what happens there. And then potentially, or probably, winding up having to play, if they do make it to the Elite Eight, winding up having to play a team like Gonzaga. And a a team like Gonzaga who lost to St. Mary's in the tournament. I mean, it's definitely, it it can happen. Michigan was a hot team last year. They made it. I believe they made it to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. They were definitely a solid team, and they can make some noise. I mean, granted, they make it past Florida or Buffalo or Texas Tech, but, I mean, I'll take Michigan right now. They looked, I know they played a, uh, a 15th seed in Montana, but still, to blow out a team by almost 20 points is incredible. Yeah. That really is incredible. Uh, James picked Duke. Texas Tech, I like that Texas Tech pick, Virginia and Kentucky. Almost everybody in our bracket, Kyle, picked either Duke or UNC, except for Kyle Earhart's sister. So, She had Virginia, I believe. Yeah, she did have Virginia. And James has Duke, Earhart has Duke, I have Duke, you have Duke. So that's not interesting. Nope. Uh, our final four picks, though, are interesting. My final four, I have Tennessee, Duke, North Carolina, And Florida State, I have Duke beating Michigan State in the Elite Eight, Tennessee beating Virginia, North Carolina beating Kentucky, and Florida State, I had them beating Nevada. I thought they were going to do a repeat of last year. Uh, I was wrong. Now, if I had to remake that pick, I have Florida State still making the Final Four, beating Michigan in the Elite Eight. The problem is, can Florida State get past Gonzaga? I don't know. That's a tall order, but that's my Final Four. Florida State, Duke. UNC and Tennessee, then I have UNC and Duke in the chip, and Duke winning it all. Russo. I have – give me a little drum roll. No, I'm just kidding. I have – my final four is going to be Tennessee versus North Carolina and Duke versus Gonzaga. And 
the reasoning behind this is with Tennessee, they are a team notoriously known for defense. I know they have Jordan Bone, Dave Grant Williams, but I, for me, I don't know if they could continuously keep up with these teams offensively. I know defense, they're fine, but offensively, I don't know. Yeah. And then, of course, North Carolina. North Carolina's just been unbelievable. They've just been unbelievable. I didn't expect them this season to be where they'd be at, especially with the amount of people that they lost in this previous year's draft and in previous prior. To have a rook, uh, a freshman player in uh, Kobe White has been unbelievable. Yeah. And then Duke versus Gonzaga. I mean, a team like Gonzaga, again, is questionable. But in the West, they can definitely pull it out. And, of course, Duke, which and I don't have to explain. You have Duke beating UNC in the final. And I have Duke beating UNC in the final. This just in, number 12 seed Liberty wins their first NCAA tournament game ever, upsetting Mississippi State 80-76. to I had this upset until about 20 minutes before the brackets locked, and then I switched to Mississippi State. So I full-heartedly regret that. I thought Liberty would have been outmatched. But the Flames survive and advance to the round of 32, where they are going to play the winner of the Virginia Tech-St. Louis game, the final game in the round of 64. Shout-out to Liberty. Three 12 seeds have won. So now, over the last 11 years, Kyle Russo, 12 seeds, 12 seeds are 19 and 25. It's not. It's under 500, but that's not a bad statistic right there. It's not bad at all. Um, man, this bracket's nearly unpredictable. Yeah, a lot of, and that's what's made it interesting. That's why college basketball at this time marches some of the best sports that you'll ever get. Um, and VCU, UCF just tipped off. So did Ohio State and Iowa State. North Carolina takes a three-point lead over Iona. Who would you say has the most potential for a Cinderella? We've seen about six double-digit seeds already win so far in Liberty, Minnesota, Oregon, UC Irvine, Iowa, uh, Murray State, and Florida. So seven. I mean, I don't know if you consider this a Cinderella, but Texas Tech, the number three seed. I mean, potentially they might have one of the easiest routes to move on. You go on, you play Buffalo tomorrow, I believe. Then you go on to play either Murray State or Florida State. Not an easy out, but then you could potentially play a team like a Gonzaga, like a Florida or Michigan, that West yeah. is a toss-up. That West, is. is, as far as my concern, is a toss-up. I'm really looking forward to the Villanova-Purdue game in round two. And Michigan State-Minnesota should be fun tomorrow. But um, any final thoughts on March Madness here, Kyle? No. It's been crazy so far. I already want to restart my bracket. I made a woman's bracket last night. Nice. Really looking forward to the women's tournament as well. I have Notre Dame winning it all. Uh, of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. Who else would it be? Uh, I know. Um, so this just in. Uh, the current leader is still Tommy the Mac McNamara. He had, oh, my goodness. Did he have Liberty upsetting Michigan State? He did. Mississippi State, excuse me. Wow. Tommy Mack is one smart man. I'm still at number two. I am happy. Uh oh my goodness. Tommy Mack. He's gotta have almost a perfect bracket. He's he's ninety seven point seven percent correct. He's gotten four games wrong. He got the Belmont game wrong. 
the Utah State game. Trying to look at what else he got wrong. Man, if I didn't have Louisville, I'd be right up there. He got Belmont wrong, Cincinnati wrong, and Utah State and New Mexico State wrong. He had New Mexico State beating Auburn, which almost happened. Tommy Mack had all 12 seeds advancing. I don't know how you do that, but hey. You, you know why 12 seeds advance? They're the best mid-level conference winners. The 12 seeds are the top of that category. And then the five seeds are teams that kind of like, you know, finish in the middle of the pack in terms of the big-name schools, which that is much of a lesser gap than, let's say, like a Duke against a North Dakota state. Yeah. While we have about six minutes left in the show, we are going to preview Major League Baseball opening day. So opening day is, well, it's a week from yesterday. March 28th is opening day for the Mets and the Yankees. Uh, we will start with the Yankees, who signed Gio Gonzalez recently to a minor league deal. Um, CC, he's still out, correct? He's not out, but I don't know if you remember, but last uh, season, his final start was against the Tampa Bay Rays, and he had thrown a pitch at a player, and now and he wound up getting suspended. But, of course, because it was his last outing, the suspension carries over into this season, so he will be suspended for the first five games. So he will not be making his first start probably until two weeks into the season. Nice. Yeah, great way to start off. You know, Luis Severino on the DL, not coming back to potentially May. CC not being able to start for oh, two weeks. Oh, stop complaining. Stop complaining. You yeah, got Tanaka going out there against Alex Cobb Yeah, the on Yankees will still win, you know, Against the games. Orioles. It'll oh. happen. You know how easy your schedule is in April? It's easy. Good. Good. Then you, then you get Detroit, and then you get Baltimore again. Uh, then you got Houston. Okay. Then you got the White Sox. That's difficult. That's not easy. You got the Royals. That's easy. The Angels. That's difficult. The Giants. That's easy. The D-backs. That's easy. The Twins. That's easy. The Mariners. That's, uh, that's in between. That's in between. Mariners still got some solid. I think your predictions are difficult. Anyway, let's get to the Mets. No Travis Darno, our now backup catcher. Shocker. No Todd Frazier. No Jed Lowry. Hey, listen, it wouldn't be a Mets spring training without a lot of injuries to key players. Brandon Nimmo has the flu, but he will play (laughs) opening day. This is laughable. I'm laughing right now. It's funny. It, I mean, and even if you're a Mets fan, it's almost funny because it's almost predictable. You hope for the best, but you know your key players are going down before they even step on step on the city field. Yeah, well, we do know who is playing. Jacob DeGrom, representing DeGrom here at number 48. He will go out there on opening day against the Washington Nationals. I am looking forward to it against Max Scherzer, the two best pitchers in the National League. That will be difficult. Oh, I'm really looking forward to this game. And I assume your opening day starters now with all these injuries, Jeff McNeil will likely start at third. If they throw Dom Smith out there at first, I will cry. And then you got Cano and Rosario in the middle, Conforto, Lagares, and Nimmo with Wilson Ramos doing the catching duties. Well, they will play Dom Smith at first right now because you know they're not going to bring up Peter Alonso, and Todd Frazier would be the switch at first base, right? Yeah, Frazier and Lowry are both out, so you know Dom Smith will be starting at first base opening day, which – disgust me 
Listen, and you find it funny because because you're not thinking about the overall picture. Yes, it's hysterical. It's, cheap, it's but, hysterical. But Pete Alonso, that's another year of control. As as cheap as it is, that's another year of control, which you have to look forward to. Granted, he is one of your best prospects in a really long time. The Mets don't even know who's starting Game Two against Steven Strasburg. They're still to be determined. Well, most likely, and then you'll have Wheeler against Corbin. Yeah. So, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm going to say it right now. Mets win 85 games. That's reasonable. Mets win 85. Yep. Yankees? 102. Yeah. 102. I think they're going to compete with the Red Sox for the East. Kyle Russo, win prediction for the Mets and the Yanks. I'm going to go same as last year. I'm going to say 82 because somebody's just going to get hurt. It's it's going to happen. As sad as it is, it's going to happen. And the Yankees, oh, man, you can go anywhere with this. Yeah, I see you already put down the 1-0. Now he's going to say 99. No, no, <laughs> what number do I want to put it at? Give me a 106. Give me a 106 because they won 100 games last season without some of the key players for the majority the of the season. I'd take the under on that. I would take the under on that. Well, yeah, because you have 102. Well, because I also don't agree with your betting style. but Listen, you're right. I'm never right, so I should probably bet the under, and hopefully it is the over. So, that being said, um, we will have our World Series picks and playoff picks next week. The big news is Mike Trout signing a 12-year, $430 million deal. Oh, my thoughts. When I saw this, I couldn't believe it because my, my first reaction is, let me see how much the uh, L.A. Angels franchise is even worth. And, I, and I'm pretty sure it's around $900 million or something like that. So to give a contract of that magnitude to one player when your franchise is only worth double that contract is pretty insane. Yeah. It's really insane. Trout is arguably what he's done in the league. People are already saying he's one of the, if not the best player to ever grace a baseball field. He's been phenomenal. Well-deserved. There's no question about that. But thirty around $36 million a year? Yeah, I know. I mean, how do you, how do you build a team around that? Uh, you, you can't. I know. I mean, you're basically saying so, yeah. he's going to be a legendary player, but we're not going to win. Yeah. Uh, realistically, we'll see what happens there. Trout and the Angels, let's see if they get anything going heading into the season. See if they can make a playoff run push this year. I think they might. We'll see. Uh, Ichiro Suzuki retires after an incredible career with the Seattle Mariners. Oh, phenomenal career. Phenomenal career. There were people saying that he could have been the greatest player ever if he didn't start off in Japan. 45 years old, Kyle Russo. If he didn't start off in Japan, he could have been one of the greatest. Well, he is one of the greatest players ever, but even better than he is. He's always a master of timing. He was a Rookie of the Year MVP in 2001. Wow. 10-time Gold Glove winner. 10-time MLB All-Star. Career batting average, 311. 3,089 MLB hits. Wow. Incredible, incredible numbers, especially for a guy who didn't start in the MLB for about, he played about four or five years, I want to say, in Japan. Yeah. So absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. On that note, get ready because the Review and Preview Fantasy Baseball Draft will be Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On that note, on behalf of Kyle Russo, I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, wishing you all a good evening. We hope you enjoy the craziness that is March Madness on this weekend. And on that note, we're going to send this out. 
You're listening to Review and Preview here on The Wave, the sounds of LIU. Good night, everyone.